0: those things we can't say on the radio after breakfast with mark and john all right real quick getting to the podcast this morning the question uh, on the culture quiz question this morning was one out of four people who are going to do this this year are doing it for the first time 25 percent of people doing this this year are doing it for the first time
1: hi um is it cooking a turkey
0: i can't believe that many people are cooking a turkey for the first time wow but then I thought about it, and I thought I didn't cook a turkey by myself. I mean I actually didn't cook a turkey as a cook till two thousand and seven okay you know, when I was twelve. So you know <laughs> the advice I would give you though, if you're using a big turkey fryer, do not put the turkey in frozen. Mm-hmm. Not that I could speak from experience. Right? yeah, I was gonna ask yeah, no, but, uh... <laughs> no no absolutely not. not absolutely not. But um we do hear a little bit of your history today. This is another exa- It's another behind-the-scenes of The Light Breakfast Show, where John, when the microphones were off, told us about his history of turkey cooking. My job was always to uh, watch the little pop-up thing come out of the turkey. <laughs> that was my job. I couldn't handle the turkey, couldn't put it in the bag, couldn't put it in the roaster, couldn't even do the dishes. Because, you know, I would, wouldn't would do them right, apparently. So my job was to watch for the pop-up timer thing to go off for three old hours. How old were you when this was going on? Oh, like 10, 11, you know, just a little kid, you know. So looking through the stove mm-hmm. thing was just like watching TV. Yeah, pretty much. Anticipation for when that turkey was going to get done. So a little behind the scenes. Yeah. So you were telling that story, and I forgot to ask, did you have to be trained? <laughs> was there training involved? Like a monkey. <laughs> Holy moments. Oh my, so Thanksgiving <laughs> is two weeks from today. Okay. My Thanksgiving plans, the original plans have already been canceled and primarily because of COVID and right. a lot of other people's plans are changing or not doing, we'd heard a story about the positivity rates and what was going on in, um, in Northern Michigan, specifically in Emmett County, especially. When you talk about the positivity rate, this is the number of cases that test positive versus the number of actual tests given. So it takes out the element of, of more tests, create more cases. It's not that it's the percentage has gone up dramatically. Right. So yesterday we talked to, um, Nikki Devitt, who started it all when she talked to Dr. Karen Ben Beston on Tuesday of this past week. And then we'll talk to, to Karen Ben Destin and then news that isn't horrible oh. after that. Thanks for listening to the podcast. And um, wear a Yay. damn mask. Well, you started all this.
2: I did. What did I, I, I do? I got I a said...
0: text yesterday from Diane that you're having lunch going, the world is, f- the the sky is falling. <laughs> we need to do something. <laughs> okay. And so I turned in, uh, I turned on the Petoskey Strong um, um, YouTube channel and I heard Dr. Den Beston. Yeah. And it scared me.
2: Yeah, it should have
0: i mean it really me did too. it scared me
2: um yeah that was that was so much fun yesterday doing that <laughs> um yeah so you talked to her today then didn't you
0: i'm talking to her at two o'clock
2: okay two o'clock so um and hammer that same message and i am totally happy to to keep to keep bringing it up again and again and again. But I think at this point in time, it's vitally important that we do because, yeah, we are in an extremely scary place and um, we need to be smart. That's the best thing. So um, I'm happy to just kind of do the, you know, staying safe to stay open means so many things right now. Um, It means keeping our businesses open. It means keeping our schools open. And it also means keeping our hospital operational. Um, one of the things that her and I tucked on in our interview was that they are deferring patients right now, not just because of COVID capacity, but also because their staff, they, they don't have the healthcare workers because they have COVID, not from contracting it from a patient in the hospital, but from outside activity. So we are in full bore community spread right now which means that as a community, we have to get back to what we know works, which is wearing masks, social distancing, limiting our gatherings, being really smart about when we are out in public and always washing our hands and really thinking truly, I think the biggest thing people can think is if the health department were to call me and tell me that I was exposed and I had to give contact tracing, would I be proud to say where I've been and what I've done?
0: That's a really interesting way to put it.
2: Yeah. Would you be embarrassed? Would you be embarrassed to say, oh, we had, you know, seven friends over last night and, you know, we had a little cocktail party and, yeah, a couple of them are from downstate, a couple of them are from, you know, we haven't seen in months and, no, we weren't wearing masks and, yeah, we were playing, you know. So you got to think, you know, would you be embarrassed? if you were contact traced, or would you be like, hey, I went to the store, I went and picked up food, or I went to a restaurant with just my family, and we were good, and you know, I only go to work, and I only take my mask off at home. If you can say those things, then you know you're doing your part uh, to not only keep the economy rolling, but also to keep your family and your community safe.
0: So you've kind of uh, addressed a couple of these things, but the you you've taken into account what's going on in the world and COVID and everything else with designing Petoskey restaurant week. And yeah, so I, I'm, I'm really impressed by that. Uh, the, the great, I've been calling it the great Petoskey takeout, which is really yes. what, what it is. And, and people yeah. have really come up with some pretty good deals
2: they have done an amazing job. You know, we looked at it from this standpoint. So what's really interesting is the Petoskey Chamber has always just kind of been a a central source for Restaurant Week through the years. And all the restaurants, you know, they manage how they want that to come out and look. And this year, all of them were like, we are really not sure. And we said, well, let us take it for you. Let us do something a little different and a little interesting. We'll call it the Great Petoskey Takeout. We're not offering any dine-in specials. It doesn't mean that restaurants aren't still offering dine-in for those who can do it safely and feel that they are comfortable in doing that we want you to you know be there for our restaurants and support them in every way possible but this is a great opportunity uh maybe for everybody to get back into the swing of things of carryout and takeout as summer months had us all outdoor dining and really enjoying ourselves and out and about a lot more. But we know that, you know, winter means outdoor dining has gone away. And that's going to be less capacity in our for our restaurants. And our restaurants are like, let's get back to that carryout thing. Let's get back to that takeout. Let's do some specials, do something interesting. So yeah, the restaurants stepped up, there are some unbelievable uh you know it's three course menus for lunch or dinner or what i love this year is all of the restaurants that said let me make you a family meal that you just take home and heat or you know pick up warm and that's fantastic that's a great way to support the restaurants, support their employees who need it now more than ever but also keep our community safe when let's face it our numbers are absolutely scary
0: so, um, the thing I was, we were talking about the other day and, and the thing that's hit home for me is when we when this first came up, when we first really focused and we did a lot in mm-hmm. March and April, and, um, we did a couple of special shows on the radio and we've done mm-hmm. all this. We didn't know anybody. I mean, we really didn't yeah. know anybody that had it. Okay. And now think about all the people that you personally know, mm-hmm. I mean including my father who was in a nursing home who you know got was diagnosed on Monday and passed away on Thursday. I mean it's it, we know. We know. And and it's got we know and it's worse. That's what worries me. It's we know and it's worse.
2: It is worse and and here's the thing we know that there is covid fatigue. I, I'm tired of COVID. I'm tired of what it's done to the health system. I'm tired of what it's done to the businesses. I'm tired of what it's done to my family. I'm tired of all of it. I'm tired of the friends that I know that have contracted COVID that are months down the road and still suffering in some way. I'm tired of it. We all are. But that absolutely does not give me the right to stop doing what I know is going to make a difference. It is zero political. It is 100% me going. It's my responsibility right now to protect myself, protect my family, thinking of the holidays coming forward. The last thing in the world I want to do is to run around without a mask and run into somebody who's going to have grandma over for Thanksgiving and i'm a carrier and or i have it and i could infect somebody who could pass away and that would be on me because i was careless and we did it so well what i think is amazing mark is when you look at what our business community did what our community did in the summer months when we had hundreds of thousands of people here from all over the country and we kept our numbers good we were really amazing and then we kind of all went oh well you know and everybody kind of let it down a little bit we all let our guards down a little bit we've all been guilty of it and by doing that what we've done is we have now just basically opened the door to what should be scaring all of us because the bottom line when we look at it is it's not just you know the um percent positive test rate that's going on right now it's not the cases per million which by the way are should scare you in our county it's not just the number of deaths that have occurred in our county in the last week or the number of daily cases it's the fact that we've got kids that really need that in-person learning and they can't have it if the school's shut down because there's so much exposure not cases in the school but so much exposure everywhere else we've got businesses who've got to make it through the winter they absolutely have to and we can't have that if we're in a lockdown series so we have to just go back to what we did so well because we did we killed it we were amazing as a community and we've done it once we can do it again are we tired of doing it absolutely nobody wants to but you know nobody wants to pay taxes either and we do so we all have things we have to do and this is one of them
0: all right anything i missed anything you want to make sure you get in there
2: Um, I think one thing we need to make sure we get in there right now is, um, and however you want to do that, is the importance of, you know, the true importance of the Department of Health and Human Services order. It's there for our protection. It's not there to make us mad. It's not there to put businesses out of, you know, industry. And the other one, too, is that um you know those will continue to adjust and change as our numbers adjust and change so it's important uh for the community as a whole to stay up to date find those resources go to our website petoskeychamber.com and the petoskey strong banner that will take you to the latest updates because they are changing just as much as our executive orders changed um and so we have to stay on top of those because it's really truly important for us to do that so that we're all doing our part and we know what's what's acceptable and what isn't but the number one thing is just put a mask on all right. Ta-da. Wasn't that fun?
0: Oh, it's always fun.
2: It's fun. I tell you one thing, we are watching and I, I hesitate to do anything on it. And if it becomes, uh, if we get a little more clarification in the next couple of days, so on Friday, um, the health department Reissued kind of an FAQ in regards to Myosha's rules for um, COVID protocol safety for businesses, and one of those that really seems to be having a lot of question was what is defined as remote work, especially in Region Six, because you know we up until three weeks ago, when we got knocked down a phase, or two weeks ago, were allowed to work we didn't have to work remote where the rest of the states always had has been required to work quote if you could so what happened is they really dug into the what that means a little bit more um, late friday and it actually gives no no room at all for anything other than uh remote work it does not i mean unless you are um, in a setting where you have face to face, obviously, think of you know critical f- infrastructure, um, or your job cannot be performed because you only have it in one place. They're saying now that you know the office settings are making up a lot of the outbreaks. So what they're doing is, you have to if an employee says, "Well, I don't have a laptop, um, I can't work from home," the business has to provide them one find them one, buy them one, get them one, so that they can work from home. If the employee isn't as efficient at home, that's no longer an excuse. Um, It used to be really a lot more um, gray, (laughs) and they're spelling it out a lot harder. So we're kind of trying to dig deep because it's spelled out so harshly now that the concern is, is that you're going to have businesses that say, well, I can't, you know, Sally can't truly work from home effectively. And, you know, Sally doesn't have Internet or whatever. So I'm going to do what I did in the spring and I'm going to lay Sally off. And Sally now does not have pandemic unemployment insurance to help her. So that's our big concern right now is, yes, we know that most of the population can work remote in one way, shape, form, or another. But for those that can't, that were laid off in the spring, they at least had a financial backing to get them through until they could go back into their regular place of business. That's not in place right now. And so businesses are threatened with, you know, a $7,000 fine for violating this Myosha order. We want to make sure that that doesn't happen. So when we get a little bit more clarification, because we're Begging for it right now, um, that might be one that we have that just strictly focuses on businesses and following safety protocols.
0: Okay, I, <laughs> I'm, 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 you know, I, I don't know what to, yeah, I don't know what to do. <laughs> That's part of my problem. I don't know what to do. I can, I, I can know. yell at people. I, I'm good I at that. I don't want to. I am too. But, uh, but I,
2: you know, we just keep. Highlighting, you know, as much as it's great to do the the, you know, as much as I know it's effective in some ways, to um, have these, you know, the interviews that we're doing. You know, I've got one with the health department tomorrow. I'm posting one with uh, the superintendent here in just a little bit. Uh, We're also trying to be as positive as possible that you know we know we are capable of this, and it's just it's okay, it's okay to be tired, but let's just keep going. We we've got to, we owe it to each other. And try to smile when you say it. That's what I keep doing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could get really blunt and just say, please put your and mask on, which well, some days I want to do.
0: Here's what I'm impressed by. I'm impressed by after uh, hearing from Diane and looking through your YouTube channel, your v- wonderful variety of uh, headbands.
2: Yeah, yeah, they are pretty good, aren't they?
0: Um, and and- <laughs> I'm wondering, do you alphabetize them at home? Or do you keep no. them in some sort of order at home?
2: Nope. No, it's just random. It's okay. whatever I feel like that day. Yeah. It's whatever I feel like.
0: It's a uh, Nikki debit from the Petoskey area chamber of commerce on the, uh, after breakfast podcast with Mark and John, Dr. Karen Denbeston from McLaren, Northern Michigan. So when we talked, we talked back in April and you know, things were starting to get under control. We spent most of the summer in what I think would be okay shape, I wore a mask, I stayed away and tried to distance as much as I can, and now we're in a situation where I heard the interview you did the other day with Nikki Devitt from the Petoskey Chamber, a 15% positivity rate. What's happened?
1: Yeah, we've seen uh, exponential you know, growth of our COVID cases here in um, northern Michigan and in our region. Back in March, I think when I spoke to you last, um, that's when we had our first cases of COVID and we saw a pretty good spike then. Um, and then we really came together as a community. Um, everybody was totally adhering to the guidelines, masks wearing, uh, washing their hands, et cetera. And we really got our numbers down to almost zero for weeks, if not months uh, on end. And then I think summer came along and people have be, you know, let their guard down, become careless, um, gotten out. Um, socializing and uh, our numbers uh, steadily started to increase and really over the past two weeks we've seen an exponential um, growth of our COVID cases. One of the numbers we look at is our percent positivity rate and what that is is the number of positive cases over total tests done. So um, we were kind of running a positivity rate of less than 1%, 1% around there. Um, Over 5% would be considered you know just uncontrolled spread and over the past two weeks our positivity rate has gone up to 15% and that was a couple days ago it may even be higher than that today Um, at any one time over the summer we'd have a couple patients um, in our respiratory isolation unit. And I was just up there a few minutes ago when we have um, 25 patients in our respiratory isolation unit, and probably a third of those are uh, intubated on ventilators. So we've seen a huge spike in the number of uh, patients on our respiratory isolation unit. So it's really been phenomenal, the amount of growth that we've seen in COVID just over the past few weeks. And I should point out that um, there is no end in sight. There is... um, there is room for, for just exponential growth here in the number of cases of COVID.
0: How do we fix this?
1: Well, I think that the the trajectory of this pandemic rests squarely on each and every one of our shoulders. We know how it spread. We know how to prevent it. Um, Simple, simple measures and getting back to the basics that we all know work is what's going to be necessary and we're going to need to come together as a community and everybody is going to need to do their part if we're going to, you know, cool this down and stop the transmission. Um, Masks are very effective in preventing transmission. If everybody wore the masks 100% of the time when they're um, out and about, when they're not at home around immediate family members, we could prevent the transmission of this upwards of 80%. Um, keeping away from other people, social distancing, not gathering in large crowds, washing your hands, but most importantly, wearing those masks. These are very simple, inexpensive, basic measures that can be done um, that will stop the spread of this. But everybody really needs to do their part. It's not hard. Everybody needs to do it, though
0: there's a lot of talk about vaccines with the pfizer announcement um yesterday uh there's a doctor in uh, the uk who said hey this is all going to be over by spring i mean is our vaccines going to save us
1: that's very encouraging um the pfizer announcement um they were this does this vaccine is uh has very good um efficacy um they were talking about 90 percent um um, immune response to the vaccine. I think that the um, safety data is still pending. Um, there'll probably be challenges with that vaccine. I, from what I understand, it needs to be um, it needs to be transported frozen, so that there are going to be logistical challenges getting it out to everybody. I can't imagine that it would be readily available for several months. Um, but that's really good news and this is going to be the way out of the pandemic but I should point out that even with the vaccination it's going to be a very long time before there's widespread availability and enough people vaccinated and we don't even know how long the uh, um, the immune response will be to vaccination so these basic things wearing the mask washing the hands these are going to be measures that we're going to need to do for a very long time even if a vaccine is available within the next several months, we're going to, need to do everything in order to um, uh, slow down the transmission of this virus.
0: We canceled our trip to Chicago for Thanksgiving based on the fact that we just felt that that the travel would have been inappropriate and we'd have been getting together with three other households at the time. And, and we thought that was just a little bit too much um Christmas we're probably faced with the same thing at this point um um if if I mean you've said wear a mask in this particular interview now about six times and I I think you could probably say it another six times is that the is that the number one thing I mean is that is that I mean it's not the solution but is that the number one thing right now
1: it is the solution um it's the number one thing that you can do it's simple it's effective and that's what we have available right now to, to prevent the transmission. Everybody needs to do it and we could slow down the um, transmission of this virus. You know, I would point out that people might not really understand why they need to wear the mask. They might not see what's going on. Most people who contract COVID will will do well and will recover, but a certain percentage, you know, anywhere from one to five percent of people um, will, will die of, of COVID. And people don't see that. They don't see what I see. They don't see all the people in the hospital that are succumbing, getting ill and dying of this. So when you don't wear a mask, if you did have COVID and didn't realize it and did not wear a mask, you can transmit it to somebody else and not even realize it. And there are a few degrees of separation here. You could transmit it to somebody who would transmit it to somebody else who would give it to their grandmother who would fall in and die of it. And you wouldn't even realize the harm that you did by not wearing that mask
0: is the uh, is the hospital the hospital resources are pretty thin right now aren't they
1: Yeah we have an amazing group of nurses healthcare providers here at the hospital I would point out that we have good surge plans that we developed back in March that that are fully implemented. Um, we have um, resources; we're available to take the COVID patients. But the problem we're running into now is that um, healthcare workers are falling ill themselves with COVID, so our um, staff is um, our staffing is becoming problematic, and our healthcare providers, our are, our are, are resources are pretty thin. Uh, the transmission that we're seeing is not in the hospital. We're, we're dialed in in the hospital. We have the personal protection equipment that we need. We've been wearing masks since March with uh, you know eyewear, hand hygiene, et cetera. The transmission we're seeing is these uh, small group settings outside of the hospital, getting together with family, going out for dinner. This is where the transmission is happening, and our healthcare workers are falling ill to the point where we're really not able to um, – staff the way we need to in in order to take care of everybody and we're having to divert patients to other healthcare facilities. Um, We have a respiratory isolation unit. We have good capacity to expand and contract that unit as needed. We've had to expand it twice here in the past two weeks. Um, We have good capacity with ventilators, but uh, our human resources is uh, where we're falling short right now.
0: If you had the power right now in whatever political situation that you might be able to be put in, and you could make mask wearing, a, a non-mask wearing a crime, would you do it?
1: Well, you know, it saves lives. It's the moral obligation. People need to do this. They don't realize when they're doing it, but they are saving lives. Um, a mask is not a political statement. It's just a mask, and it saves lives. I think everybody needs to hear that and understand that and realize that by wearing a mask, they're being a good citizen and they're saving lives.
0: I'm trying to remember how long it took people to start wearing seat belts. and it's it's almost the same comparison at this point. I mean seat belts well,
1: it's like drinking and driving, yeah. you know. You're hurting other people when, when you when you do that. You think you're gonna be okay, but you know, when when you don't wear a mask you you don't you don't see the harm that you're doing.
0: And it's really people who don't know they're spreading it that are causing the problem. Yeah.
1: Right. The super spreaders, you know, these <sighs> super spreading events, people don't realize they have it and they're spreading it. And I think people have gotten the message that, you know, you can't go to large group gatherings. But now the spread we're seeing is in these small groups. Um, Families getting together, maybe, you know, um, for Thanksgiving, um, coming home from college, um, you have COVID, don't realize that you spread it to all your family members, your parents, your grandma, and um, somebody ends up in the hospital and somebody dies as a result of that small gathering. It's the small groups now that are spreading it, the extracurricular activities, the restaurants, the bars, the gyms, these types of small settings is where we're seeing the spread.
0: Doctor, thank you so much. Um, I wish you the absolute best, and um, um, stay with it.
1: Yeah, and, and we're strong as a community. I want to get the word out to everybody. We can do this. We're strong. We need to come together again, get back to the basics, take care of each other, stay safe, take care of each other, and wear the mask.
0: It's the news that isn't horrible. On The Light Breakfast Show. Special edition today. Who let the dogs out? Well, it's pet of the weekday, so we have a special edition of news that isn't horrible. Interested in a dog and you want a really smart dog? Well, according to these researchers in Hungary, get a Border Collie. They went out and found the six smartest dogs in the world to compete in the Genius Dog Challenge, all six of them are border collies. They're like teaching them words and tricks and the videos are interesting. Geniusdogchallenge.com will be won by a border collie since that's what all six of them are. I don't know if they're the smartest in the world though. I've had some Boston Terriers that are pretty smart. Cats are smarter though. Uh, Let's be honest, cats are smarter than dogs. They're also much more manipulative. Cats want you to do what they want. And now there's a guy who says he has an app that can translate those angry meows into English. The name of the app is Meow Talk. What research gave us was essentially nine intents out of the box. These are general intents that all cats have. Like, I'm in pain, where's my mommy? I'm hungry, I'm happy, I'm gonna fight. They
2: can tell you what they want you to do. Mommy, feed
0: me, leave me alone. Pretty realistic, huh? Yeah, having your cat meow into your phone and then having your phone tell you what the cat wants you to do, that is so 2020. I said earlier sometimes a pat on the head and a good boy isn't enough and for sully the service dog for president h george h w bush it certainly wasn't enough sully trained by america's vet dogs was the president's companion after his wife passed away and there's that iconic picture of the dog sully standing guard by the coffin flag draped coffin after President George H.W. Bush had passed away. Well now Sully is memorialized on the campus of America's Vet Dogs, where he was trained in Smithtown, New York, with his own bronze statue. It's a great picture of Sully the dog next to Sully the statue. He was named after Sully Sullenberger, the pilot that saved that plane. And he's now a national treasure. He's at the Walter Reed Memorial Hospital working with other vets. He's a beautiful lab, and it's wonderful to salute him this morning. Sully the service dog. Let's call him Sully the wonder dog. And he was saluted yesterday, as appropriately, on Veterans Day. News that isn't horrible. Happy Pet of the Week Day and a salute to Sully.